Hello, and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. To celebrate Mexican Independence Day on Friday, we are talking tequila this week with Nikki Stringfellow, UK brand ambassador for Casa Heredora. Have you had yourself a terrible tequila experience, never wanting to touch the stuff again? She reveals the secrets of 100% agave tequila and why you'll never suffer again. So a brand ambassador works within the advocacy team of a, a spirits company um, in order to kind of drum up brand awareness in both the on-trade and the off-trade. So I do a lot of work with bartenders, so I'll train them on the products and on the category in general, how to use it, all that kind of thing. Um, and then to consumers directly as well, so through tastings, through you know cocktail classes, that kind of thing. So essentially you're, you're the face of the brand. And this is the first time that Casa Heredora has had a UK brand ambassador. So you're yes. really blazing the trail. Yes, for this I mean, brand here. for Brown Foreman in general, actually, the UK is kind of the experimental advocacy team. So we're the first. Whereas things like Bernard Card um, and Diageo, they've had, they have global, and it's kind of trickled down to the UK, but we're starting it here. And how do you think it's going to go in the UK? Well, we're growing, so it's obviously doing quite well. Um, and generally, we have seen a rise in both kind of the brand health measures, so how much people are aware of it, how much they see it, how much they drunk it, um, and also obviously sales figures as well have generally gone up since the brand ambassadors came on board. Well, every I think everyone has had a margarita in their life and drinks yeah. tequila. It's really part of the drinking culture here, definitely, and, and in hot countries, obviously, yeah. frozen margarita, all that. Um, how it really is Casadura different than, you know, t- tell me about the brand a little. I, I think you said it's 100% agave it is so 100 so what does that agave. really mean so the agave plant is the plant that tequila is supposed to be made from and if a bottle just says tequila on the label it'll be a minimum of 51 percent agave and therefore 49 percent of generally quite cheaply made alcohol and made from corn or made from sugarcane and then with lots of additives and colorings into it so generally if you're drinking that kind of tequila that's when you're getting bad hangovers and it doesn't really taste very nice mm-hmm. whereas 100 percent agave tequila just by its process is much much cleaner we don't add anything to it there's only two ingredients in the bottle there's water and there's blue agave so it just means that flavor wise it's a lot more complex it's a lot more full it's a lot smoother but also it's not going to affect you in the same way, like any good alcohol, mm-hmm. really. It's just that up until kind of 10 years ago, we didn't have 100% agave readily available. And what Casa Heredura has done with both their premium Heredura and their entry-level El Himidor is to kind of really bring 100% agave, make it more accessible through every level, through premium down to mainstream in the UK. And how long have you been the brand ambassador? So I'm going up to just over two years now. Uh-huh. And have you seen 
people's perception of tequila change since? Massively. Um, there's it? so much more interest in tequila in general as a category. It's one of the fastest growing in the UK, which is incredible. And it's the 100% agave category that is growing. Um, you know, I change people's opinions every day. It's one of the reasons I love my job because everyone I talk to has generally had, probably more than any other spirit, a bad tequila experience. <laughs> so I had to go and change that. Because I mean, I was the same. I had a terrible tequila experience when I was younger. And then many times after that. <laughs> I did, and you know, I t- but tequila is one of these things that I just love anyway. Exactly, so I think I came know, back to it even if I had a terrible it, experience. It's almost like double-edged sword. You know, it's gonna, or you think it should give you a bad hangover, and, and you have to kind of suffer for it. But at the same time, it has this almost euphoria attached to it when you drink it, and that's part of the ritual and the party aspect, and where and when we tend to drink tequila. But I guess what I try to do is is let people know that that extends to, to all occasions there are many different ways to drink tequila it's not just that shot and it certainly isn't that bad quality stuff uh-huh. that's not all tequila is there's there's much more to it and it's a very pleasant thing <laughs> well, you say you change opinions all the time um have you seen that the customer has completely changed since you started bartending when you were a bartender yes people are definitely more willing to try new things um, and tequila is part of that. I think generally the, you, people are more aware of 100% agave anyway so um, there's a lot more call for tequila cocktails in bars. You know when I first started bartending it very much was still shot lime salt and that was it and actually kind of became my mission to, to give people other things. You know people uh-huh. would say to me I want anything but tequila. They would always get a tequila oh, really? cocktail and nine times out of ten they would like it because it's it, it didn't hit that kind of stereotype that they had in their mind of what it would taste like uh-huh. and so it's literally it takes that one sip of a different style or a different cocktail or a different serve and it opens up their line to oh actually maybe I was wrong but if you give them another shot even if it's 100% agave they'll probably stay in that same kind of frame of mind right, right? of course now <laughs> Since you said providing shots, you did that. You were a shot giver. Of course, in the early days. Yeah, you're a shot drinker. <laughs> where were you giving those shots? Can you tell us a little bit about where you? Um, yeah, so when you I were doing before this, I started bartending. I was in Lisbon, which is where I grew up, um, and I started bartending. But you have an English accent. I do. So my parents are English. I'm yeah. English by birth, but grew up in both. Alabama and uh, and Lisbon as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a mixture of accent. <laughs> Being an American, I have to know about the Alabama. Part so that was when life. I was really tiny, when yeah. I was three years old. So sorry, two and a half to seven. All I was right. in Alabama. So my first accent was actually the deep south. <laughs> <laughs> little southern girl. Do you know what? Not in demand. Oh. But when I meet someone from there, it comes out automatically. And oh. I sometimes think they think they're, that I'm taking the mick out of them. It's a lot closer it. to Mexico, I guess, where tequila is Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. You know, the Texans coming down. Um, yeah, it tends to come out. Um, and then you were you went on to, to Portugal? Yes, and then I went on to Portugal. So Hard Rock Cafe in Lisbon, so keeping a little bit of America in there, actually. Oh, right. That's where I first started bartending. Mm-hmm. So lots of sour mix and long island iced teas. And why bartending? I had gone to university for kind of the first six months of the first year and I'd always been a really good student, very diligent and I think at that point I was just kind of like, why am I doing this? I'm paying for this and I'm really not enjoying it so much. Um, and so I moved back to Portugal, I'd come to London for a little bit, but I moved back to Portugal and kind of just needed a job really and fell into it and it was the bar side that kind of interested me more than the waiting side. Mm-hmm. 
not really sure why. I just maybe because it looked a bit cooler. I'm not sure. But I absolutely loved it, and I guess kind of took to it very quickly as well. Mm-hmm. And although obviously Hard Rock Cafe isn't known for its great cocktails, the actual learning of the bartending side of the stuff. You know, we had no bar bags. You were doing all your own glassware. It was an eight hundred capacity. Oh, a restaurant with four bartenders so you knew how to work and I'm sure really busy fast. at all times so exactly. you had to be on equipment if you're yeah. on dispense I mean you, you were absolutely banning it so uh-huh. that really prepared me to then kind of learn the cocktails that was the easy part after uh-huh. that. and so. when did you think you know you know how, how long did it take you to think oh wait this is something that I really want to continue doing this might be a future for me it was so I moved after that year in Portugal, I then went back to university. I kind of found something that I was a little bit interested in and wanted to do. And so I moved back nine months earlier because I was going to have to pay for myself through there so I could get settled and get a job. So I started bartending here as well. And that's when I started with the match group and started to really learn about proper cocktail history and the classics and all that kind of thing and started to really fall in love with it there. And then when I started my uni course, realizing that even though I was supposed to be prioritizing that I was actually really much more enjoying reading about cocktails so then I guess it was from there and I carried on with my degree for the next four or five years and finished Mm -hmm. it but the bar was always the Uh kind of in the mind's eye to to carry on with and since you brought up the match group yes um, (laughs) Dale DeGroff was a major part of that (coughs) and um, as the Godfather, pretty much a cocktail. Indeed, the espresso martini. yeah. This was certainly the first book I ever got. Uh huh. Yes, that's one of the first that I ever got too. <laughs> um, and I learned so much from it. Um, he, you know, how was? Did he influence you at all? Were you able to even interact with him, or was he so far above that he never really came down? You know, how did that work? Obviously, there was a lot of influence through his drinks program that he had set up with the owners. Um, so the whole training program, which was incredible and one I haven't really seen rivals since at the match group was set up by him. Mm-hmm. So in that way, he was a huge influence, but kind of directly as well. So he would come over a couple of times a year and hold training sessions with us. So you would get some kind of one-on-one time with him. And I think I did embarrassingly want to tell him that I wanted him to be my grandfather because he <laughs> <it> was so cool. <laughs> was that before or after the first espresso market? Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> now I'm sure he must look at all of you and thought this is this is a future that I've created. Absolutely, and, and knowing that he had, I mean, he did start that essentially uh-huh. and at the Rainbow Room was uh-huh. what kicked it all off and, and if it wasn't for him, I certainly wouldn't be here today. Definitely, he was yeah. definitely one of these shining stars like, you know, um, Jerry Thomas, who, you know, the godfather of cocktails mm-hmm. and Dale DeGroff, you know, you're really, really lucky to have, absolutely to have interacted with him at all I'm sure I wish that he could be around for him to make me an espresso <laughs> definitely you know, and he's so anything. personable and so lovely and uh-huh. humble with it as well like he did he will happily just hang out with you and you know ask whatever stupid question you want and he's really really cool well I find that the um the whole uh bartending culture or all of you working in London today are so supportive of each other you really this is what I've heard from the people I've interviewed in London that everyone is helping people out even if someone sleeps late or whatever it is people are really it's like a little family and I think uh-huh. I mean that extends past London it's amazing how small it is internationally as well I mean uh-huh. if you see it tales of the cocktail now half of London's actually up there um but yeah, everyone everyone has each other's back. If you know, if you're in a competition and you've forgotten something, and there's a bar down the street that will have it, they'll happily lend it uh-huh. to you. All that kind of thing, um, and you know, the boomerangs going from bar to bar, uh-huh. all the drinks from bartenders sent to other bars in the neighbourhood. Like this, yeah. And 
obviously you're female in quite a male-dominated industry. Yes. Do you feel that you have been accepted just as much or had to work harder because of being a woman? I mean, I think a little bit of both. I think I was very lucky um, with the bars that I worked in that, you know, I did the job and I did it well. And so it wasn't really seen as, oh, you know, you're the girl. It was fairly equal at that point. I mean, there's definitely places where you, you see that. Um, and I have experienced it before, but then it's just far more satisfying to prove them wrong and outsell them. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've always quite, if I'm honest, enjoyed being sort of in the minority in that way. I think mm-hmm. I think it's always good to have that balance of female and male on a, on a cocktail team. Um, and I've always enjoyed being mm-hmm. that female in a male-dominated team. But I was, a, I, I don't know, I was a girl growing up with big brothers as well, so maybe I was always quite a tomboy. I know, so I do too, <laughs> I understand that too. Um, um, now, do you get to bartend a lot as Not the as brand ambassador? Love. No. You must miss it. I do miss it, and any chance I get, I do jump behind. But it's good, so I do events, and if I do consumer cocktail classes or anything like that, I do get to jump behind the stick and make uh-huh. a few. And to be honest, if I did, had a full shift to do, I'd probably, after the first couple of hours, have had enough. Not really want to break down. So, you know, I guess I get the best bits of it now. But I guess you get to create cocktails. I do, right? yes. And um, yeah, tell me about how the creation comes out. Usually, I mean, I guess it depends on the brief and the kind of place it's, it's being designed for. But I generally think a lot about recipes that I use for food. So I do a lot of baking. Uh-huh. So a lot of the kind of sweet flavours will come from combinations that I've used in that. Um, and more savoury flavours from from cooking, from cooking recipes. Do you just bake for fun? I do. Uh-huh. I do. I bake too much. <laughs> I do enjoy it. You know, and that's another thing I've found that a lot of the, of the great bartenders I've met have had food backgrounds, and it really lends itself well to their creating of new cocktails. And I think it works both ways as well. Uh-huh. So a lot of bartenders, because they're interested in flavor, therefore become interested in cooking and, and food as well. So uh-huh. generally you've got a fairly good palate, right? And... You know, if you're making drinks with liquid or food with <laughs> solids, right. obviously. Um, what I'm trying to say is the flavours are the same, right? Uh-huh. The idea is the same, the pairings are the same. So they lend to each other very well. All right, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I can't no wait for you to make us a cocktail. Yes. All right. There are still a few more days to get ready for Friday's holiday. So let's all raise a glass to Nikki for setting us straight and to Mexico for producing one of my favorite spirits. Hopefully, for most of you, your shot lime and salt days are over and now you'll sip and savor the good stuff from now on. Next up, we shoot over to Cyprus to meet Dinos Constantinides, owner of Lost and Found Drinkery, awarded one of the world's 50 best bars last year by Drinks International. Until next time, bottoms up. For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar.